My name is Ryan Bruss. I'm one of the privileged to be one of the producers for It's Supernatural, and I have a guest on with us today, Sean Bowles. And he, his ministry really blessed me as we read his material, as we listened to his teachings. And from an early childhood, he grew up in a home that was on fire for God. Sean, welcome to the program. Tell us about that early childhood. Thanks so much for having me on. I love Sid, and I love your guys' team. Uh, yeah, I just grew up in a Christian home where my parents were first-generation Christians, and they had, were missing so many of the tool sets that, you know, from they both came from kind of hard backgrounds with uh, some some measure of abuse. So when they got saved, they were so excited to bring in everything, emotional health, spiritual journey, you know, the, the Bible, good theology. And so they just wanted to bring it to the whole family. So as they started having kids, they whatever they were experiencing, they were sharing with us and whatever level we could take it, you know, so... They brought us with them. They would always do all these, like, Bible studies. My dad was in the Air Force. He was a, uh, a military man who was, you know, an officer. And so he, they would always have, like, with the airmen, they would have these Bible studies where they'd be getting saved. And our whole family would just go to the Bible studies and um, pray for people. And my parents would just ask us, what are you getting? What are you seeing? What are you hearing from Jesus? So both for ministry to prophesy to people, but also in our just day-to-day life. Like, you know, I came home one time, and I was like, Mom, this kid at school was asked me to go to his birthday party, and I, I don't want to go, but I felt like the Holy Spirit said to go, and she processed that with me, like, why do you think he wants you to go, and what what do you think his motive is in this, and, and, and if you don't go, what do you think will happen? If you do go, what do you think will happen? It just helped walk me through taking risks on what I heard, and just everyday life with God, and which pays off huge, and once you have, you know, nurturing in that, it's just, it'll change the way you live. And your parents were hungry, from what I understand, uh, for uh, supernatural encounters, healing, the prophetic. I mean, so they they created an environment around you that just really cultivated this hunger uh, to hear God's voice, correct? Totally. They were super hungry, but they weren't weird, which is really (laughs) nice. My parents always had some level of emotional intelligence, and they had as many unsafe friends as safe friends. And so they they were just appealing to people all around us. And so it was they went through like spiritual charismatic phases of like, you know, turning off too many TV programs or like burning bad CDs or whatever. They went through all those little phases, but they didn't stay there. And they were like, wait, there, there has to be more to God than like what we can do. We have to focus on what we can do and who he is. And so I, I think I learned a lot from just their normalness of just how they pursued with radical passion, how to, how to bring God into everyday life. And speaking of, of uh, radical passion, you are a firm believer that, Older, young, children, uh, grandparents can hear the voice of God, and, and you love to teach that. And you are a firm believer that children, our children, can hear God's voice at a young age. Now, in fact, you were doing, you were hearing God's voice at a young age. You have a story about your first word of knowledge. Yeah, I was, I was actually at a retreat uh, for young adults with my parents. My parents were the teachers of the retreat. And they were just, you know, they brought us again. I was a you know, little kid. My sister was about eight years old. I was six years old. And we were just praying for people. And I remember I was sitting on my mom's lap. I was almost asleep. It was really late, late at night. And they were praying for this lady. And I had a word of knowledge. I was like, is this a back injury? Do you have a back problem? She's like, yeah. And I said, is, is there something wrong with the bone in your back? She's like, yeah. And it was her spine um, needed to be fused or something. And, and, and so I said, can I pray for you? And I put my hand exactly where it was without her telling me. And my hand just was like on fire. I could just feel the love of God. And I just was like, I think my prayer was, Jesus, will you make her okay again? And she just started crying. She's like, I feel so much better. I haven't been without pain for so many years. Oh, my gosh. And she's freaking out. And my parents are like, oh, wait, we got to really, we got to really invest into this with our kids even more. Like, we have to, 
we have to have an expectation in our heart that they don't have a junior Holy Spirit, that God's totally yeah. alive in them. So it was a really wake-up period for our parents again. They had a couple of those before that. But after that, it was on. Like, everywhere we went, they'd ask all of us, what are you guys getting? What do you guys feel? What are you guys sensing for the meeting tonight? Do you want to do anything? And sometimes we didn't. Sometimes we didn't. Well, on, on that note, in just in just a minute uh, or two, what how can parents teach their children in just a practical way to begin to hear God's voice? I think the most practical way is to do some listening prayer. And so to take some very real situations to kids and ask them to um, ask God a question and then listen and just see if anything happens. And not for too long, not for like, you know, 10 or 15 minutes, but just let's ask God about, you know, um, if it's the beginning of a school year, what, what creative classes should you take? And so let's ask them what would develop you the most. And, just ask him what's in his heart for you, and then they pray, you know, should I do art or should I do sports or should I do journalism? Those kinds of, like, just including them and creating spaces to do listening prayer. I think my parents were really good at that. Like, let's really look at the decisions that we're looking at in life and pray about them. And then also anything that was undone in our life, my parents would say, let's ask God about this. And when we were real little, they'd say, okay, well, I lost my keys. Let's ask the Holy Spirit where the keys are. He knows where we left them. And so let's ask him together and look for him, you know. And, and sometimes it worked really well, and then other times it was like, just a game, you know, just like <laughs> if God wasn't involved but in a major way, but we had fun just trying to, you know, out of faith, find him. Well, either way, you were in an atmosphere that, you know, accepted uh, mistakes. Totally. Like, my parents didn't drive us to any performance because they both came out of performance-driven families. So they were just like, in our culture, it was almost like, you know, we were all high-functioning humans, but it was almost hippie in that sense where they were like, you know, just... This, you're free to fail and you're free to be who you are. You don't have any performance. We're not going to identify or define you. And my dad's side of the family is mathematical geniuses, including my dad who's an engineer. And I had a mathematical disability, so I couldn't even do. Wow. Uh, I mean, I didn't even. I barely got through algebra. You know. So wow. even that, like his dad would have abused him or or or, or not abused him, but just that discipline that we're not related to him. And my dad just looked at that and said, "That weakness defines nothing about you. You're so amazing." So I, I just grew up in an environment of affirmation. And I noticed that you do that now as an adult when you're in settings. You you allow people room to grow in hearing God's voice. Oh, it's my favorite. Like everything else we're allowed to make mistakes in, but hearing God's voice, we're supposed to be level 10 infallible the moment we start. And so I'll do clinics like, you know, and I'll have people say, okay, I'm, I'm praying for someone right now. Let's do a prayer time for him. And I'm not going to tell you anything about him. I want you to just guess based on your spiritual discernment, if you hear anything from God about them. So I'll say, how many of you feel like it's a woman? And like half of them say that. How many of you feel it's a man? Half of them say that. Well, I'm like, <laughs> you're 50-50, you know, on this one. Uh-huh. Well, it's a woman. And like the people are like, oh, I thought it was a man. You know, people feel like they're guessing until they get it right. And then they start to learn, oh, that's where the Holy Spirit was. That's what the Holy Spirit feels like. But they have to try. Like sometimes they'll we'll go through 25 questions like that. And the moment they get it right, it changes. The, it's a game changer in their heart. But they have to be able to, you know, just practice and be in an environment where it's not about the information. It's about the quality of love and connecting in prayer and just trying to connect to God. We all have to do that. It's just like relationships. They take a while to develop. And in your book, you're very transparent about how you've even gone on a journey of trial and error in a sense of learning to hear God's voice. But even through that, uh, you have a story about how God used you when you were in, a, I believe, a coffee shop and you gave... Uh, oh, oh, you thought you had a word of knowledge for somebody. and Do you remember this story? Yeah, tell, tell us that story where, yeah. where you missed it totally. I'll, I'll tell you all my weakness. Yeah. <laughs> I think people learn from our mistakes, right? Yeah. So uh, 
so yeah, I, I went up to a guy and, and I, this is this was a big performance cleanser for me. I went up to a guy and I said, hey, uh, is there a Stephen in your life, like a brother or cousin? And he said, no, there's not. And he looked at me like really confused, like, do you know a Stephen that you thought was connected to me? I was like, oh, okay, thank you. And I started walking off. And it was, I was awkward, so it made it a little awkward. And he's like, wait, why'd you ask? And I said, this is going to sound really funny, but I'm learning how to hear the voice of God. And I was trying out to see if God showed me something about you. And he said, oh my gosh, I've been waiting my whole life to talk to somebody who believes they hear from God that way. Can we talk right now? Do you have time to sit down with me? Well, he's a producer. Like, he's a friend now. He's a producer. He got saved after about 45 minutes. It's and amazing. It wrong word of knowledge. Like we never went back to the prophetic of the word of knowledge. We just went straight into Bible and just the love of God. And it was so cool to watch, like, it, it, you know, that, that wrong word of knowledge was an entry point. And in my vulnerability of saying I'm learning something that I'm not perfect at, and I'm just trying to, you know, build this ground with God, that he felt safe enough to actually have a real conversation with me about that and got saved through it. Now, you personally, in 2013, you literally had an angel of the Lord come and touch you in such a way that it gave you a new, now this is more on the gifting side of things, it gave you a new installment of prophetic gifting. What what happened? What, what was that encounter like? You know, it was a really awkward and awesome encounter. I went to a church, and at that point I wasn't traveling a lot doing prophetic ministry. I was doing more leadership development, creative conferences, because we work a lot in Hollywood, doing justice stuff. And so I went to this one one church that I had prophesied their church building a couple years before to really accurate detail, and it was really exciting for them. And so I was going back because they were christening it or whatever, you know, commemorating the fact that God did this, and they wanted me to come back and celebrate it with them because they finally were moved in. And I really didn't want to go, and it was right after a long trip where I taught in Korea. And so my wife was supposed to be there. She got sick. I get there. It was like one of the worst nights of my life as far as ministry, and it was because of me, not because of them. I just wasn't present with them. I wasn't connected to the ministry time. And I was like, I remember I would start complaining to God that night saying, God, there's people who want to do the prophetic side uh, who like these kinds of charismatic conferences and who want to do this and who this is their lane that they want to drive in. This is not my lane I want to drive in. Like, I, I don't enjoy the Pentecostal charismatic prophetic type conferences very much. Like, I love the prophetic, but I don't enjoy the churchy side of that. I'm just being really vulnerable. So. I, I'm telling God this, I'm complaining to him, and I hear him laugh. In my left ear, I can hear it internally, audibly, a different voice than mine, which I knew this was a rare experience. Oh, I've only had, you know, so many encounters in my entire life like this. And so I'm, I'm, I hear him laugh, and then he says, I want to do 12 things in your life that are so spectacular that you can't even imagine or dream of them right now. And he tells me these 12 things. And I, I said after, the, this is like a 15-minute encounter, I say at the very end of it, and I said, God, I'm so sorry. Heal my unbelief because I just don't believe you. Wow. And if you told anybody else, that would be one thing. But if you're telling me, and it's going to lead me to pride and delusions of you know, grandeur or whatever. And I felt like he slapped again, and he said, tomorrow I'm going to speak to you in a way that you won't be able to deny it. And I'm going to start something in your life where you're going to be a bridge for a generation to believe that I'll talk to them for real. So here I'm in a place of complete weakness, almost offended at the prophetic and the prophetic culture. And in the midst of that, God speaks to me the most powerfully he's ever spoken to me personally. And then says, I'm going to confirm it by prophesying through you in a way that you can't deny. So the next day I go to a coffee shop uh, before the meeting, and I was actually late for the meeting. I didn't realize the meeting started an hour earlier than they had originally told me. And I went to the coffee shop, and I order a coffee, and I hear um, clearly about the grocery store that there's a woman in the bakery named Deborah who's lost her daughter two years ago but had an encounter with God that's going to help heal Christians of grief. She's a Christian. And so I run over to the bakery, and I, there's a young man working there. I said, is there a Deborah here? And I was so excited because this is the clearest I think I've ever heard God. 
and as far as for someone else. And it was just like I'd heard the night before. And the young man goes, no, there's no dub right here. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, I'm going crazy. I'm going to check myself in for a psychiatric evaluation. <laughs> this is not working. And I had to go to the church right then. And when I get there, I, they literally pull me up to speak because it was that late and because of the time difference that they had told me. And so I'm like, I get up and, I'm, and I verbally process, almost like verbally vomit. Like I, The first thing I say is I thought there was a woman named Deborah at the bakery that I got a word for here at this grocery store. And there is no Deborah, and so I'm a little discouraged. And the pastor says, Deborah's one of my best friends in the world. She actually went to help some people who just lost her son, and we know her very well. And so she did, and I said, did she lose a daughter two years ago? They're like, yes. And everything I had said was true, and this young man at the grocery store just didn't maybe work in that section or something, or didn't know her, or was a temp or something. And so, like, all of a sudden, God turned it around, and I had three more words for three more people, or actually four more words for four more people in there that were just dramatically specific in the word of knowledge. And I walked away thinking that was it. Like, wow, God, you use those words to confirm to me what you love and what you want to do in me. And so I was more in a self-focused way in the prophetic at that point. And then within just a few weeks, it started, it just kept happening, especially out and about in public places. And I realized that the church has not used the word of knowledge gifting that God's given us for the sake of the prophetic, which makes people feel so loved and known. So I, I really feel like, you know, we're in the season where God's restoring the word and knowledge ministry, not just for healing, but for to make people feel so loved and known by God. Well, it all started there. On that note, uh, one of the things that touched me the most in your book, because we read a lot of prophetic books, we listen to a lot of uh, teachings on the prophetic and hearing God's voice. But you make it abundantly clear in your book that the prophetic is one of the greatest tools of love that we have. And 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 through the prophetic, we see a very real glimpse of God's heart and to to get people and to treat people the way God intended to be to be treated. Talk about that just for a moment, how this is really uh, it's not so much as somebody getting giving, going up and giving a word at a church and thus saith the Lord and then they're gone. But you come at it as this whole love angle. Can you touch on that for a bit? Yeah, I think I've grown up around a lot of the prophetic people who um, they are called to mo- mainly the church, and they're called to build kind of the, the ministry. And so they're giving words for how the church advances and grows and who's the next worship leader and how to connect their staff members. And, and it's thus say the Lord, here's how the move of God is going to happen for us as a church. I've been around a lot of that kind of stuff. And which is great. I mean, that's, there's a place, but that's not what I'm necessarily called to. And um, and so it was confusing to me because I've always been prophetic and I've always heard God, but it's it's mainly in a love theme. It's not building necessarily the, the structure of the church as much, although I've been a consultant in those areas and stuff in different ways. But I, God, like, so gripped me where I, I could see Jesus when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he's, he's asking the Father, can you take this cup from me of suffering that I'm about to go through? And and there's never a resolution to that until you read Hebrews. And in Hebrews 12, too, all of a sudden, the, the writer of Hebrews says, for the joy set before him, he was able to endure the cross, or he endured the cross. And I realized, like, Jesus saw something. The Father was so good. Jesus became aware and in touch again with all the people that he had been created to fellow, or that had been created for him to fellowship with. And he saw the joy set before him, and he saw them as though they were how John saw them in the book of Revelation 19. We saw him at the end of the race with Jesus, ready to partner with him. And it just changed my foundation. I'm like, wait, the prophetic gifting before it's about building the church or changing government or transformation in earth culture. It's actually, it restores us to see God's original design and purpose and restores us to see he thought of humanity for millions of years per person before he ever 
released us or, or birthed us on the, on the earth. And he had so much intricate love that Jesus would even preach, my father's building mansions in heaven for you right now. These are to unbelievers who hadn't even said yes to him yet. And he was, that's how much the father has planned us out, his love to just bring a fullness of his love around us to, to, to bring us into fellowship with him. So when I started to see people, I started to like literally picture God, what was in your original heart for them and how can we restore them to that? Or how can they be, how can they come in their fullness again? So for me, the prophetic became like a love language of like how to treat people. It, it, even before it's words I speak out of my mouth, it's like, how can I see someone at the end of the race, whether they're a prisoner, a, a kid in the slums or a president and actually treat them like they're in their fullness. So when they're around me, they feel spiritual because they feel like they're they're believed in and loved in such a way that they're an advanced version of themselves, or actually the original version of themselves, the way Jesus did when he was around culture around him. In fact, I, I think uh, that you literally see a transformation when you g- give these words right before your eyes. Totally. The person becomes, uh, you know, not an upgraded version of themselves, but they become more of their true self. They feel they feel love for the first time. They they God really cares about me, and uh, I see that through this kind of learning to hear God's voice. We really uh, motivated by love. We really begin to minister to the people around us. And your book, tell us about your book, Translating God. So, Translating God takes you on kind of a heart journey of some of the stuff I was just talking about, where a lot of times we see the prophetic as a gift on the stage or a gift in the church, as opposed to it's the heart culture of God, like in First Corinthians two. It says the Holy Spirit searches the deepest parts of the Father and the deepest parts of man, and that we know his mind because of that. So basically, the translating God is, how do I walk every day and really understand how to hear God's voice and look at humanity the way he sees them, treat them differently, and like literally grow in in his love and his words and his understanding of who people are. And so just like every language needs a translator, and when you're translating, it's not just every culture. And you're not just translating the language itself, you're translating the culture behind the language that we're supposed to be the translator for what God's doing in, in this generation. And so, like, Daniel was a good example of that. Joseph was a good example of that, because they translated the culture of heaven and cultures that were even counterculture to the culture of heaven. And yet, God came through in such a beautiful way because they knew his heart, because they knew what he wanted. And I feel like translating God helps set people up to really to really understand what God's saying to themselves, and then helps people to understand what God's saying to the people they're connected to everywhere around them. And and it turns, like, I'm not a big evangelism outreach person. I love evangelism outreach, but I'm a little bit of an introvert when I'm with strangers. So, but for me, if I fall in love with somebody, if I look at somebody and I just sense God's love, I can't help but say something or connect his heart to them. And so it's not, this book isn't like extremely evangelistic in the sense of like, for those people who have that bent, who it's natural for them. This is, this is good even for people who don't have a natural bent towards evangelism. Like I, I don't, because when you touch love, you just, you have to touch heart. You can't. You're not limited to your introvertedness. You're not limited to your lack. You're not limited to your personality. God has a personality that lives in us. And so the more we hear from him, the more we connect to that heartbeat through the word and through the spirit, the more we have to talk, the more we have to be his mouthpiece and his voice. Now, did God tell you to write the book or were you just inspired by everything that you've seen? You know, I I knew I needed to do some materials on the prophetic because this is probably, in my mind, one of the first love-based efforts in the prophetic movement on this level, um, or for the church movement on this level, where we're restoring the value of love. First Corinthians 14, where it says, you know, pursue love with everything that's in you, like your life dependent on it, and eagerly desire prophecy. And that love equation, oftentimes, because many of the, the people who've been prophets in the last couple of generations have been fatherless or had weren't in a, in a loving home nurtured, 
They were having to fight for their gifting. They were having to be reformers. They were having to be, you know, it was out of struggle. And I came more like a Solomon. Like, I was provided for. People blessed me. People included me. And so I, I wasn't at war with anything or anyone in, around me. I was just, I'm, I'm here to love. You know, I'm not here to go to war. And so I felt like we needed a prophetic birth, book and materials birthed out of someone who's not at war with culture, somebody who doesn't care about what the, the enemy is doing, but is focused on what God's doing. And so I had to write it in the sense that I felt like it was my, my visitation encounter brought this kind of a perspective. Like, what is God doing? How do we agree with what God's doing and cherish that with all of our hearts? And listen, and there's this, not as many books on that. This is a prophetic book for all those that are listening. This is a very prophetic book. In fact, when I read it, uh, myself, I wanted to run out and do what he was teaching in the book. I I was stirred uh, to to hear God's voice, not only for myself, but for the people around me, just everywhere I went. Uh, Sean also did an exclusive three CD set for us. Everyone can hear God's voice. The prophetic made practical without losing the powerful. In this series, Sean will teach you how to hear the voice of God for yourself. He, he has learned the secrets over the years of being in prophetic ministry that you need to hear. In fact, in this uh, teaching, he also prays a prayer of impartation, igniting the prophetic within yourself, igniting a passion to hear God's voice for a gift of $35, translating God and the exclusive three CDs set. anyone can hear God's voice. Now, don't go away because when we come back, Sean's going to share a story about what happened to him in Hawaii. I've never heard a story like this before. We'll be right back. I had one more username. I never get usernames, but I ask God for new information that I never get. Terry Bishop 911. Terry Bishop, you're working on the show and we're getting you. That is my uh, username, Terry Bishop 911. The Lord says, you live in a pleasant place. What does that mean to you? I live on Pleasant Hill. Come on. Sid Roth says that Sean Bowles is the most amazingly detailed prophet he has ever known. He has ministered to thousands, from royalty to people on the streets. Now he wants to share with you the secrets he has learned concerning the gift of prophecy and wants to activate you to do the same as he does. Call now and get Sean Bowles' brand new book, Translating God, and his anointed three-part audio CD teaching, Everyone Can Hear God's Voice, exclusive for our It's Supernatural audience. Yours for a donation of $35. Shipping and handling is included. Ask for offer number 9408. Through Sean's powerful book, Translating God, you will learn how to clearly hear God's voice for yourself and others. Understand the rewards awaiting you when you take risks and step out in faith. Begin to operate in words of knowledge. Walk step-by-step step with Sean Bowles as he demonstrates and imparts to you supernatural keys on how to pray effectively for healing and miracles. Learn how your simple acts of faith will become powerful demonstrations of God's kingdom reality. Learn the simple keys God has revealed to Sean on how to receive your healing and how to heal others. Sean says, anything I can do, you can do better. In fact, that is Sean's passion. You know, my producers are mature believers in, and, and understand the supernatural, but they tell me that because they've read your book, they are stepping out more. We've been getting this incredible feedback from people, thousands and thousands of letters, where people are sharing how this book helped them to all of a sudden take risks, where before they so misunderstood the process of hearing God, all of a sudden it became super easy, where they're like, oh, I can do this. I can just hear and obey and translate what I'm hearing. Through Sean's anointed three-part audio CD teaching, everyone can hear God's voice. Begin to receive and understand revelation like never before. Make the prophetic a normal part of your daily life. Become God's 
expression of love through the prophetic. And at the end of each audio CD, Sean prays for you to experience the fullness of God and for the activation and advancement of the prophetic within you. Sean has prayed for well-known people in the ministry to operate at higher levels of words of knowledge. People like Randy Clark, Heidi Baker, and Bill Johnson. If someone like Randy Clark can get an upgrade, what about you? When you start reading this book, Translating God, this is a new book, and our exclusive three CD set, everyone can hear God's voice, the prophetic made practical without losing the powerful. Get ready for your upgrade. Are you ready? These anointed resources will restore your God-given vision, passion, and boldness to be used to demonstrate God's kingdom like never before. Now is the anointed time to get Sean Bolt's brand new book, Translating God, and his anointed three-part audio CD teaching everyone can hear God's voice, exclusive for our It's Supernatural audience. Yours for a donation of $35. Shipping and handling is included. Ask for offer number 9408, or you can send your check to Sid Roth, It's Supernatural. P.O. Box 39222, Charlotte, North Carolina, 28278. Please specify offer number 9408 or log on to SidRoth.org. Call or write today. Okay, welcome back. We have Sean Bowles on with us today. We're having a blast talking about how to hear God's voice and how to minister to people with a prophetic voice. I love it. Sean, can every, do you believe that every person that is a believer can hear God's voice? Yeah, absolutely, because it's a type of love. So if we are, if we have access to love, we have access to hear God's voice. I like that. And everybody has access to love. Absolutely. Now, you had an encounter uh, in Hawaii. I, the people listening have to hear this. I thought it was truly amazing. <laughs> what, tell, tell us the whole story. Don't hold back. Oh, my gosh. I, I love what happened because it's such a picture, and it's, I love that I was able to write it in the book. Um, I was doing a, a foreign kind of ministry school night after night. They would drop me off at 10 o'clock at my condo that I was staying at. And then I'd have to walk down. The only thing that was open, it was in Honolulu, was a, a subway. And so I'd walk over to subway. But to walk there, I had to walk right through the red light district. And on the side of the red light district, which we do a lot of ministry uh, to prostitutes and pimps in red light districts around the world. So that's not concerning to me at all. It was actually a really safe neighborhood. It sounds terrible, but it wasn't. Um, but on the side of the red light district, on the street that I was actually staying on, I was walking one night, and there was this young man who stopped me, and he said, hey, hey, bro, you need anything? Like, do you need some weed? And I started laughing. I was like, no, I, I don't do that. And he's like, do you need a girl? And he points at a little girl who's like 16 years old, but real tiny, so over sad. on the steps. And she's with two boys who are teenagers. And they're all, just because we worked with prostitutes, and I was right about this, but I could tell they were all brand new to the streets. And this hadn't become their life yet. You know, they might have been there for five or six weeks. And so I, that's, that wasn't even the sermon. It's just looking at it. They're not on the red light district, Main Street. They're, this guy's not a real pimp. This is just like, you know. And I look over and I'm just so sad because I see the 16-year-old girl and I'm like, no, no. He's trying to offer her prostitution. Like that, no. So I went over to her and I was like, hey, I said, no, I don't want the girl, but I want to talk to her. So I walked over to her and I asked her a name and I said, hey, can I sit down and talk to you? She's like, yeah. And I'm like, hey, I'm a pastor and I'm a Christian. And I want to know if you'll do something with me. I said, what do you think you were made for? What do you think God made you for? And she goes, I don't know. And I said, okay, we're going to do something called listening prayer. You're going to borrow my faith. I believe we're going to hear from God. So you're going to borrow my faith. And we're just going to sit here and listen. I'm going to ask him a question. You listen with me. And you tell me if he tells you anything. She's like, okay. And I said, okay, close your eyes. She was super nervous to close her eyes. I'm asking a street girl to close her eyes. She did it. 
And I go, God, and she says, God. And I said, show me what I would do that would make me the happiest that you thought about for millions of years before you created me. So she repeats that in her head and she goes, oh, right away. I was shocked. And so we're friends. And I go, what, what? She goes, I'm supposed to be a cook. <laughs> I started laughing at everything that shops. She goes, yeah. And I go, do you love cooking? She goes, I think so. I haven't cooked much. <laughs> I started laughing. I said, that's awesome. I'm like, that's crazy. God just showed you something about your future. That would give you so much joy that he made you for. Have you ever thought like there's something that would give you this much joy? She's like, no, I want to do it so bad. And then I said, well, let's ask him. You got to do this with me. Okay, let's close your eyes again. Ask him a step you can take towards this in this next week that, that will be a game changer for you. Like, Just ask him, what's one step I can take this week? So she asked, what, God, what's one step I can take this week and listens? And this is a girl who's not saved, has no Christian foundation. And she goes, oh, and I go, what? And she said, I'm supposed to call my uncle, and he owns a diner, and I think he'll hire me. And I said, well, well, have you talked to your uncle in a while? And she goes, no, my uncle and my, my mom are estranged from each other, and so I haven't talked to him since I was like seven. And I go, this is awesome. Do you promise to call him? She goes, yeah. And I said, well, let's ask one more thing. What do you love the most about me, God? And so she closed her eyes. What do you love the most about me, God? And she opened her eyes, and she's smiling. I go, what? And she goes, he loves my smile. And I said, that's awesome. She's like really, you know, cute little crooked teeth. I just love her smile. And and he loves my smile. And she just heard God and said, so do you realize how good God is? Like, he really loves you and you don't have to be here. Like, he has a plan for you. And this isn't his plan. Like, this isn't a good place for you to be. And she's like, I know, I know. I said, you, why don't you like leave tonight? Like, let's not do the street thing. And she's like, totally, I'm not going to. She tells other guys and they're not resisting her at all. And then one of the other guys who's 17, he goes, I want to dream. Wow. <laughs> like, I want to dream from God. Yes. And so I said, let's do it. So we did it with him. And he's like, I'm supposed to go to the army. And he got really excited about the military career he feels like he's supposed to do. And so um, I get her phone number. And uh, a week later, she texts me and says, can I call you right now? And I said, yeah. So she tells me her uncle hires her in the diner. And the reason why her mom and him had a feud was because he became a Christian. And he was trying to lead her mom to the Lord. And her mom got offended. And so cut him off. So he leads this little girl to the Lord hires her. She's living with him. Then he, she calls me back, uh, uh, what would it have been, like uh, six or eight months later, I might be wrong on the time, and calls me. I'm like, Sean, and she's about to graduate high school. And she's like, Sean, she went back to school, by the way. She's like, you'll never believe what happened. I said, what? She goes, I know my future. I know what I'm supposed to do. I said, what? She goes, my uncle and I are going to open a diner together. We're going to open one more out of, outside of a bowling alley here in Honolulu. I said, this is amazing. Yes. And I said, so are you going to go to college for like business administration or development or whatever? And she goes, no, we're doing it like next month. And I started laughing. I'm like, wow. wait, you're going to open one together? She goes, yeah, I'm going to be 50-50 owner. She goes, he just loves my work ethic. He loves what I'm doing. I'm going to own a diner. And I'm just like, can you imagine? She goes, can you believe you found me on the streets and now I'm owning a diner and I'm a Christian? And she goes, I'm going to go to a ministry school program alongside of this that we have here locally two nights a week. And she goes, I'm just so in love with God. So just like that, that girl who I don't know what experiences she had on the streets to this final you know, product of God's love. But how amazing. I just sat down with her. I didn't even prophesy. I just lent her my faith and said, God loves you. He wants to talk to you. And that's what happened. What an amazing story of redemption. I mean, I'm teared up just thinking about it, how this beautiful little girl was, uh, however long she was there, she was a, a prostitute. And now look at what God is. And, and, and like you said, Sean, you just you were just sharing the love of God and you just showed her how she could believe in herself and it radically changed her life. Anybody can do that. Anybody can walk up to somebody and just be the 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 mouthpiece for Jesus. And 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 I love that and I love that story. Now, let me ask you this. 
as you were talking, it, it, it came to us. How, how do you get a breakthrough with those who say, I don't hear anything, uh, even, even after you may teach people for a while, it, it, the breakthrough's not coming. I can't hear, Sean. I can't hear what's wrong with me. I just don't feel like I'm hearing. Well, what do, what do you say to those people? You know, part of it is like retraining the condition of their heart because hearing is a creative process with God on purpose. And I go into this a little bit in the book where, I mean, God, Jesus spoke purposely in parables because he didn't want to be a, a slave driver directing people all the time and using words to just direct our course of life. He wanted people to understand the culture of living a full life. And so he told stories to all these people that helped them to understand what heaven was like and what, his, what the Father was like so that they could adopt principles that would change the way they live. So the Bible is such an amazing book because it's living. And so what I do is I, with people, usually it's one-on-one, I'll sit down with them, and I'll say, okay, tell me, and maybe it's in worship. In worship, have you ever been so lost where you're more focused on Jesus than you were focused on the world around you? Yes, totally. I'm like, that's actually a type of trance right there. That's the type of visionary experience where your act of trance just means a heightened state of awareness of who God is. So, like, you actually have already had a spiritual experience. When you got saved, how did you get saved? And I'll tell me the story. I'm like, so God, you heard John 10, 10, Jesus called your name because you can't get saved unless you hear his voice. You can't get saved unless you feel he loved you first. And so you've already heard from God. So like we have to identify the moments where God's presence was there and you can identify, oh, this was God. Or when you felt something, have you ever walked down the street and you were walking towards somebody and you just felt like they were unsafe or you were, you know, or maybe you were buying something at garage and you felt like the person was trying to ask for more money than it was worth and you knew you could get it down because you just had discernment. Like teaching people like there's intuition, but there's a step past it where you can feel God rest on it. And you feel like this is a spiritual encounter, not just naturally what I would have developed based on my own intellect or psychology, this is a spiritual moment. So if we can help people to identify those spiritual moments, then it's no longer like, I don't think God talks to me. It's like, oh, wait, God's talked to me all along. But it's almost like the Emmaus Road where I didn't know it was Jesus, but I knew it was more than me. But they have to, like, we just have to come to that place of like going, wait, God's talking to kids all the time. And they can become aware of it. Even unsafe kids, we've done some projects with, uh, in the, you know, street kids and orphans in, in Africa. And we'll find out that they've been hearing from God all along, and they actually can see Him in their life before they've gotten saved, because He's that good. Well, see, that's what I like about your teaching. You, in a sense, take the mystique and even the, um, if I can say it like this, the spiritual elitism out of only certain people can hear, and only certain people can uh, uh, give words of wisdom, words of knowledge. And, And you bring it down to a level, like you said, where everything is funneled through God's heart. And, and everybody's carrying that who's born again. And so everybody can, can do what you're saying. Absolutely. I mean, we're, we are the translators of God's heart because we're the Christians. And so, but he's speaking all the time. So we get to translate what he's saying to the world around us, even to people who aren't saved, who are hearing or having dreams, just like, you know, Pharaoh had a dream and Nebuchadnezzar had a dream. And they had godly men alongside him to interpret the culture of his heart about what those meant. So we're not even just responsible to hear God's voice. We actually get to interpret his voice to what people are already hearing, and that's a huge point that I think the church has missed. Now, earlier you were talking about intuition, and you know another word for that could could be discernment. Um, I found it very interesting the way you talk about discernment in your book. How discernment, and tell me if I'm wrong, but if I remember right, you you basically say that m- most Christians, most people are discerning. It, but. Uh, it's more of a conversation starter than anything. Explain that. Well, you know, I led a prophetic team, um, or I was one of the leaders with, in a place uh, called Metro Vineyard Fellowship. It was a big 
megachurch in Kansas City for years. It birthed the house of prayer that Mike Pickle was a part of. And I remember we had like two or 300 people on our prophetic team. And they would come with um, a lot of negative things or a lot of strategy that had some real discernment in it, but it didn't have a full picture. So the average pastor or the average leader of their serving room, even one of the guys was a real estate agent, he's selling all the other real estate agents. The stuff that they're bringing actually creates urgency and intensity versus peace and love. And so that's okay sometimes, but it was a more of like an intercessory mandate. If we don't do this, God won't do this. And that comes from seeing what God's not doing or what man's doing or what the enemy's doing. But when we see what God's doing, it's hard for us to put the same consequences on humanity around us. Like, if you don't do this, God won't love you. We can't do that when you see what God loves. Because God loves the guy in death row, God loves the warlord, and God loves the richest men in the world, and he loves the pastors. So it's hard to put those same, like, consequences of action and urgency of a prophetic word that if you don't do this, this won't happen, or there's going to be an earthquake here because of sin, or there's going to be all these kinds of things, which I feel like maybe the Lord starts to give a discernment in his heart so we can actually see a more full picture of what was in his original heart so we can call the world to that. So a lot of people prophesy, if you look up um, in, in California, look up words over Los Angeles, it's on Google, and it'll be like 25 pages of terrible words about earthquakes and destruction. But what is God really saying over Los Angeles? And we have to start there. Like, instead of spiritually mapping the bad through discernment, we have to actually map out the heart of God. Why did he call people to live in California in the first place? And what was his original intentions for that land of entrepreneurs and the entertainment industry and the biggest pyramid in the world and that kind of stuff? Like, what was his original heart and how do you partner to that? So I feel like discernment is a conversation starter. You might see something bad, but if you don't land on God's heart of what's good, you actually don't finish the conversation and you actually could actually cause destruction or just just wrong focus by your words because your words will be tainted with what what's not happening that's that's real good in fact when i read that in your book i was like oh i'm sure i've done that to somebody uh before so that that oh, really I've done it too. Like, you know it, no it, condemnation judgment free zone <laughs> right right now speaking of uh, los angeles um you you make it clear that how are we going to reach a world in a, in a even a group of people now god's used you with presidents uh, in in, in um, South American countries, in Asia, I mean presidents, and God has used you with celebrities, and you you say, listen, how are we going to reach people? Who wants to listen to us if we're going to judge uh, rather than love? In fact, so many Christians judge; it's quicker they judge quicker than they love. But uh, you you make it clear, listen, we got to re rethink everything because. God's heart, even for celebrities, even for the Hollywood actors and the, these these people that are on TV and the musicians, we have to get God's heart and not be so quick to be like, well, he must be this or she must be that. And uh, not asking you for any names, of course, but you sat down with an actor musician one day for lunch and you really minister to him. And, and you do this on a regular basis. You can share whatever you want with other stories. But you had an incident where you sat down with an actor and it brought real deliverance to his life after you give him a word of knowledge. What what happened? Oh, yeah. And he, he was like a spiritual person, meaning like he felt extremely spiritual and he'd studied all kinds of religions. And, and he was, you know, he's one of those kinds of people that uh, that probably would consider himself uh, a leader in spiritual spirituality, even though he wasn't a Christian. And so I, all of a sudden, they, they just wanted to pray at the end of the, the lunch. It was kind of hectic, and there was a lot of superficial things that happened that lunch. Like, we want to pray together before we go. And 
And my buddy who brought me to lunch said, you, you pray, like you go for it. And I'm sitting there and I felt like the Lord spoke to me. I was like, oh no, this is high risk because this guy doesn't know me. I'm not coming as a prophetic voice. I'm just a friend of a friend. But he knows I'm in ministry, but he didn't know what that means really. And I felt like the Lord said, tell him to you know, go home and throw these two, the, the, the newspaper that he has in a second drawer on his desk. There's actually two of them. And um, that I have an, their inaccurate report for him. And I have a better report. And I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, this is, like, super risky. And I go, can I tell you, I'm having a spiritual moment. And he goes, what does that mean? They go, I don't know. <laughs> I don't really, like, I don't know how to tell him. So I'm like, I'm going to be clueless with you. I don't know. I just feel spiritually God showing me something that I share. I use God. You know, I said, and I said, there's these two newspapers that you have in the second drawer on your desk. And, and there's something about them that God doesn't like. They're not a right report. And you need to throw them away. But God has a better report. And he wants you to live a John 10, 10 life, which talks about living an abundant life. But the first part of John 10, 10 says that, that the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And these newspapers are stealing from you. And so I, I basically tell him through prayer that this is what I'm seeing. And he's to throw it away. And he's like, he literally opens his eyes and goes, do you even know what you're saying right now? And I said, no, <laughs> no. <laughs> he, said, he said, I open these newspapers every day. And it gives their reports on terrible performances that I've done, like they're they're like completely the worst critique of my two of my the times I felt like I was the best in the entire world, you know. And the other one talks about my father's death, and and it goes I look at it all the time, and it, and, and it and it's um, my father supposedly like he had committed suicide when I was eight, and my mom um, told us he didn't kill himself, but I mean I'm look, looking at the the newspaper that says he killed himself, and I look at both of those every day, and I struggle with depression because of it, and so. He looks at me and goes, you don't think he killed himself? Like, is that what God's saying? I said, absolutely not. I mean, he can't have killed himself because, you know, God just told me that this was a wrong report. Both these were wrong reports. And, like, the sadness came off of him. And just like this, you could tell it was a supernatural deliverance. It wasn't just, like, him hearing my words. But these are, I mean, can you imagine? They're in your second drawer. You open it up every day. You look at the reports. And that's what you're feeding yourself with. Like, as Christians, we, like, open the Bible every day and pray. And, like, God, what do you want to do today? Who are you? We love you, you know. And he's opening up going, you are this, and this is true about your family, and you're going to be just like your father, basically, is what he's saying. And he just got completely delivered. Wow. And he's just like, I just didn't know God could be like this. That was his answer. I didn't know God could be like this. And I was like, can you imagine how much he loves you that he sent me to tell you this today, that he— he ended our time with us, and all the superficialness and all the weird, like I'm the spiritual leader, left him, and he was just like a learner. And we had a really good second follow-up meeting. He was just a different person, a completely different person. Went back to his biblical foundation, and is on a true spiritual journey now. Though he, I don't know if he's saved yet, he's on a true spiritual journey now. Well, see, in in your book, translating God, uh, this this is he tells these stories, more stories. But your book, Translating God, really draws somebody closer to God. And we're offering that uh, book along with your exclusive three CD set, Anyone Can Hear God's Voice. And let me tell you something, a personal testimony. I was reading your book, and you really encourage people to go for it. Uh, go for the word of knowledge. And, and I was on an airplane just a couple days ago. And I was, the lady next to me said they were a Christian, and, and I began to talk to her, and we were just fellowshipping. And I, I got a word of knowledge that she had a sister. And this woman, uh, you know, was almost 70, 
and you know i'm i'm new at this sean so i'm i i i knew she had a uh, i just knew she had a sister because i got the word of knowledge but in your book you teach people don't just stay there lean into that and see what else god's saying so i said uh ma'am i said uh do you have a sister and she looked at me like Yes. Uh, why? I said, and then it began to flow because God wants to touch her. And then she, be, and then I said a little more. And then she was telling me how that her sister's son is, has been a raging alcoholic and, you know, is just coming back to God. And now the, the mom needs a touch. And she really, because of that word of knowledge, her heart was wide open to the things of God. So I'm telling you, I immediately put into practice and it made me hungry uh, to to do what you say that we can do. Everybody can do this thing. So everybody listening, you need to get this book, Translating God, and this exclusive three CD set. Everyone can hear God's voice. The prophetic made practical without losing the powerful, powerful uh, CD series. He prays impartation prayers at the end, igniting the prophetic inside of you. When we come back, I'm going to have Sean touch on something that's very uh, shaky in in the prophetic realm today we hear a lot of people uh, giving a lot of uh, judgment prophecies doom and gloom prophecies and we're going to have sean talk about what really needs to happen within that context when we come back i had one more username i never get usernames but i ask god for new information that i never get terry bishop 911 terry bishop you're working on the show and we're getting you that is my uh username terry bishop 911 the lord says you live in a pleasant place. What does that mean to you? I live on Pleasant Hill. Come on. Sid Roth says that Sean Bowles is the most amazingly detailed prophet he has ever known. He has ministered to thousands, from royalty to people on the streets. Now he wants to share with you the secrets he has learned concerning the gift of prophecy and wants to activate you to do the same as he does. Call now and get Sean Bowles' brand new book, Translating God, and his anointed three-part audio CD teaching, Everyone Can Hear God's Voice, exclusive for our it's Supernatural audience. Yours for a donation of $35. Shipping and handling is included. Ask for offer number 9408. Through Sean's powerful book, Translating God, you will learn how to clearly hear God's voice for yourself and others. Understand the rewards awaiting you when you take risks and step out in faith. Begin to operate in words of knowledge. Walk step by step with Sean Bowles as he demonstrates and imparts to you supernatural keys on how to pray effectively for healing and miracles. Learn how your simple acts of faith will become powerful demonstrations of God's kingdom reality. Learn the simple keys God has revealed to Sean on how to receive your healing and how to heal others. Sean says, anything I can do, you can do better. In fact, that is Sean's passion. You know, my producers are mature believers in, and, and understand the supernatural, but they tell me that because they've read your book, they are stepping out more. We've been getting this incredible feedback from people, thousands and thousands of letters, where people are sharing how this book helped them to all of a sudden take risks, where before they so misunderstood the process of hearing God, all of a sudden it became super easy, where they're like, oh, I can do this. I can just hear and obey and translate what I'm hearing. Through Sean's anointed three-part audio CD teaching, everyone can hear God's voice, begin to receive and understand revelation like never before. Make the prophetic a normal part of your daily life. Become God's 
God's expression of love through the prophetic. And at the end of each audio CD, Sean prays for you to experience the fullness of God and for the activation and advancement of the prophetic within you. Sean has prayed for well-known people in the ministry to operate at higher levels of words of knowledge. People like Randy Clark, Heidi Baker, and Bill Johnson. If someone like Randy Clark can get an upgrade, what about you? When you start reading this book, Translating God, this is a new book, and our exclusive three CD set, everyone can hear God's voice, the prophetic made practical without losing the powerful. Get ready for your upgrade. Are you ready? These anointed resources will restore your God-given vision, passion, and boldness to be used to demonstrate God's kingdom like never before. Now is the anointed time to get Sean Bolt's brand new book, Translating God, and his anointed three-part audio CD teaching everyone can hear God's voice, exclusive for our It's Supernatural audience. Yours for a donation of $35. Shipping and handling is included. Ask for offer number 9408, or you can send your check to Sid Roth, It's Supernatural. P.O. Box 39222, Charlotte, North Carolina, 28278. Please specify offer number 9408 or log on to SidRoth.org. Call or write today. We are back with Sean Bowles, and we're hearing some fascinating stories and listening to some great teaching on uh, the prophetic and how we can hear God's voice. Now, Sean, there's a lot of, I, I guess it's quote-unquote, I don't want to be rude, but there's a lot of prophets out there today and uh, a lot of them seem to be prophesying. Uh, I'm not saying they're inaccurate, but they're prophesying, basically just declaring judgment with not a lot of redemptive strategy or heart of God. It's just this is going to happen and that's going to happen. Look out. And then they move on. Talk, talk about you. You have some thoughts on that. Well, I have several thoughts and you can help me, too, with what you're thinking. But um, I feel like. First of all, like the the love of God draws us to repentance. I mean, he he sent Jesus because he so loved the world, and he came to him to you know he he brought him here to correct every violation of love. And so, if the gospel is all about love, and it says that he didn't send Jesus to convict the, or condemn the world of sin, but to put the world right into his right order again in John three seventeen. So if, if it's not about condemning the world, then prophecy shouldn't reflect that as well. And so uh, there's not been a modern day. Um, disaster that's caused a revival. As a matter of fact, when you look at revival history, there's very few disasters that cause any revivals. Yet there's many prophets who are still prophesying there's going to be this terrorist attack or this earthquake or whatever, and that will bring about a great reformation or change, and that's just not accurate historically or theologically. And so a lot of people, when they discern something that could happen, like a potential that could happen because of the weight of sin in a region, like Las Vegas or Los Angeles or Bangkok or some of the cities that are more dark and some of the, you know, and some of the the viewpoints of Christianity, they start to discern what the God's not doing, what what the strongholds of the enemy are, and they start to judge the city based on that. And it's very much like, you know, even the Jonah scenario, where even when the people changed, Jonah wasn't willing to believe it because he had a wrong—he didn't have the threshold of love in his heart. He didn't have that place of love developed inside of him where he could forgive them in his own heart because of the evil that they'd done, but God could. And it's just such a picture of our humanity of how it's so easy in our discernment to— feel the impact of something, especially if it's an issue that's affected us or a city that's affected us, to feel the negative impact and not forgive or not or hold someone responsible in a way that God's just not doing. And God, there's always consequences of sin. And one of the beautiful things about Christianity is when we turn to God, we don't always reap the fullness of what we have sown, that He delivers us from reaping some of the some or all of what we've sown in the evil, which is beautiful. That's what the cross does. 
um, once we turn to him. And so beforehand, there's always consequences, but a lot of times Christians put a cause and effect on all things. So if there's sin, this is what's going to happen spiritually, and I'm going to prophesy it as if it's God's heart. God's heart, when he looks at a city like Los Angeles or when he looks at Las Vegas or New York, his heart is all the things he wants to do and the beauty of what rests there. So like a lot of people were prophesying against Los Angeles, they weren't considering that we have the biggest Jewish population in the world, that which is God's chosen people. There's still such a redemptive purpose over Los Angeles just because even that itself, that his chosen people are dwelling and living there. And there's something about that that's that's I don't understand the full spiritual implications of, but it's beautiful. Number two, we have the most humanitarian giving of any region of the world happens out of uh, Los Angeles, California. Number three, the most social entrepreneurship missions start from California. Number four, you know, like I can just list all the good things that happen there that are neglected by the same prophets who say it's about to break off in the ocean because God's mad at it. And so, so there's this, there's this like um, war in the prophetic communities where there's people who are like, no, but there has to be this judgment because they've done this, or no, I've seen this and this is just what it is. Versus, I've discerned something, God, what is your heart on it? And does your heart change over time? Meaning, do because people change, does that affect your heart at all? And a lot of um, prophets will just prophesy blanket statements and never take responsibility for what they prophesied. Yes. And I think in the New Testament that everything we're prophesying has to fit into the redemptive plan of God. That there's nothing we're prophesying that separates people from God and always includes people with God. Uh, and on that note, you actually had a negative word, so to speak, uh, over Peru at some point, but it, it, uh, a lot of redemption came out of it. Tell us that story. Yeah, I was in Peru, and so I met uh, a couple of churches while I was down there, and one of the churches I just fell in love with, and I was randomly at home, um, you know, later on, and this is back around 2000, 2000, I can't remember, I have the exact date to the book, um, but I, <laughs> it's terrible when you can't remember your own stories, but I've lived a lot of life, and I have babies that are teething right now, so <laughs> <laughs> right. I'm up all night. But, uh, but I was in Peru, and, and when I got home, I, I felt like there was going to be a big earthquake, like a really big earthquake, that it was just the fault lines were, you know, settling along, and it was going to happen. But I called them, and I said, hey, I know this is a really heavy word, but I feel like you're going to have an earthquake. It's, I didn't even have exact date. I just had a date range of seven or three days or four days. And so the pastor said, you know, everything you prophesied to us came so true before. And I said, I think God's warning you this just to get insurance and have your people get insurance because it's going to hit your part of the city in Lima. And um, and he said, I so trust what you're saying. You know, we're going to figure out what to do. Well, him and a bunch of his friends who also are pastors of churches, they called a citywide Christian retreat up in the mountains. Based on your word, based on your prophetic based, word. Right? Well, they didn't tell everybody. They told everybody to get insurance and that they felt like, you know, they didn't they didn't go into the drama of the work. They didn't want people to get into the right. conspiracy. But they said, we, we do have some directions. There might be a disaster also. So let's plan to get relief supplies and let's make sure we have insurance. And so then they all went and had this amazing citywide family camp. And when they left, their, that particular church was leveled, completely leveled to the ground. No one was in it. And they were able to build, like when I went back down there, they have like the most state-of-the-art facility. It's like, you know, eight levels, beautiful elevators. Like, I mean, just like absolutely beautiful sanctuary with the most beautiful windows. It's so creative. Because they had insurance money because of the word. And God actually, like everybody who they had warned about the word, and the most beautifully nice warning. It wasn't like this chaotic urgency we're all going to die it was like a, hey god's giving us a clue that he wants us to thrive and so let's get insurance and the worst case scenario is it doesn't happen we have the dates the best case scenario is it does happen and we're protected and they got relief supplies and they and the church is response when they came back down to the mountain they were able to do the relief for the entire city with the police force the fire department everyone else and the church is now on the map like still this is 16 years later 
the church is still loved by their city because they did so much at that time. And every single person um, in his church, at least, bought the right kind of insurance to where they were all they they all bought bigger houses and better houses and better buildings or whatever. I mean, it's beautiful when you go around their neighborhood of where their church was planted because they were actually able to reform the whole thing. It was pretty ghetto before. So I, I just think it was like such a beautiful picture of like God does want to warn sometimes when there's stuff happening because He knows He He knows when the you know there's going to be a tidal wave. He knows that it's not He had He didn't cause that, and that's the difference where prophets are saying God's judgment is causing this because you didn't turn to him or because you have this in your city. If that was true, there's a lot of cities that should be completely destroyed and wiped off the, the map right now, like Bangkok with the red light district, which right. is the most hateful thing in the world when you see eight-year-olds being prostituted seven or eight times a day. Wow. That should be destroyed immediately by God's righteous anger. But when you understand his righteous love, you don't have that same equation. Your theology changes. Well, I'm going to put you on the spot. Uh, speaking of words, has the Lord showed you anything about uh, the U.S. or any particular country or the people of God or anything in particular that you could share and release here on on the show? Yeah, I really feel like we're in a time where um, the church and many people in the world who are going to be Christians or they're soon to be Christians are, is pregnant with a real renaissance, a creative movement that's going to help to bring about some of the beautiful themes of God and scripture into the forefront through the movie industry and through video games and through, it's going to be in popular culture and popular media and it will become mainstream culture, mainstream media. And I believe that God's releasing technology and education and literature. Like he's, there's about to be a wave, like a Renaissance period of just the Lord tying up loose ends and helping all kinds of complex things become really simple and a lot of people are going to turn to Jesus because they see that he actually does make complicated things simple. He doesn't make complicated things more complicated. God simplifies. And even some science, like neuroscience is about to prove some of the, the hard questions about sexual gender issues and that kind of thing. We're going to see neuroscience be, uh, and, and even biological science uh, scientists are going, going to start to become some of the, the key voices in these wars as opposed to just psychiatrists and um, people who have justice, you know, backgrounds against the church. That is like good news. Neuroscientists and biological, you know, scientists and, and doctors are going to start. And a lot of this is already happening in some different ways, but we're, we're about to see the war that we see that's going on that we're so passionate about. God's way more passionate about, but he wants to bring answers and solutions, not just more fighting or just a loud voice. And so God is putting creative design in people's hearts right now because he loves civil rights more than we do. He loves gender issues more than we do. And so he actually has something to say about them. And it's a beautiful message that restores us back to his original design. It makes it more simple. And so I really feel like we're, we're being set up for a beautiful move. Now, we just have a couple more minutes. Uh, I, I want to make sure that we just that you mentioned briefly that our love connection with the Holy Spirit in communion with the Holy Spirit is ideal is of utmost importance when we're learning to hear God's voice for ourselves and for others. Can you talk about that? Yeah, you know, it, it comes back to personal identity. You, you can't love people off if you don't love yourself. And the Holy Spirit teaches you how to live in love. He teaches you how to live a life where you value Him, you value yourself, and you value others around you. And so when we live in connection with God, what violates that connection is sin. So like, and it's not just like, I'm evil, but I'm doing things that are actually taking me out of the pattern of connection. So when I was young and I, I found a pornographic magazine when I was like 11 in the field with my friends, you know, on the trail, and I went home and I talked to my dad about it, and my dad explained it to me. I'd never even heard of that before. I didn't know it existed. 
my dad said he was really sad that I found it. He said, you know, son, um, pornography actually, like if I look at pornography, it actually takes away my connection to your mom. And so for me, I have this marriage that I've invested decades into. That's my favorite thing in, the, in my life. And I want to protect that connection at all costs. So it's easy to say no to pornography because I'm, I'm saying yes to love. So if you know what you're saying yes to in love, it's easy to say no to the things that break that connection of love. And so we want to do the things that keep our connection to the Holy Spirit, but we have to learn those connections through the word and through discipleship so that we'll protect them at all costs. It's not about not doing wrong and just being right. It's about being in love and protecting that love with everything inside of us. Sean, will you uh, take the next moment or two and just pray over those listening and, and just whatever prayer of impartation or whatever direction you want to go with that, uh, just you're released to do that right now. Absolutely. God, I just pray for a profound awakening in every single person who's listening, the, the stay-at-home mom and the businessman and even some kids that are listening and some artists and performers. I pray right now, God, and even the prophetic community that would listen to this in the supernatural hunger, I pray right now for the next installed grace of hearing your voice, God, on each person listening, that they would feel like another awakening. If they've already had one, I pray that they'd have more. If they've never had one, I pray that you would bring an awakening of hearing your voice, that we would recognize you, Holy Spirit, in our lives, but we would also hear your love song, your love message in such a clear, easy way, and that we would take risks based for our own life, but also for others' lives, based on what we're hearing. We just want to be a part of your great love story, and we know that uh, we're a significant part of that because you love us. But I pray that as we feel that love, as we feel empowered by that love, that it would unlock your voice to change the world around us. And I speak over you in impartation, not just a nice prayer. I just pray right now that you be hit with the presence of God and that it would change the dynamics of how you operate in your relationship with him. He wants to speak to you more than you want to hear. And John 17, 24 proves that. He said, Father, I desire them to be with me where I am. So he wants you to be with him in a visitation encounter with him more than you even want it. So I pray that you'd, you'd receive something you've never received before, even if you already have a lot, that you just get another installment now in Jesus' name. Amen. Sean Bowles, you make us hungry to hear God's voice and to prophesy and be led by the Spirit and hear words of knowledge. Uh, his book, Translating God, you have to get this book. It's amazing. It really blessed me. It really ministered to me, and I immediately put into practice the things that uh, I learned myself. And we read a lot, trust me, as a producer. And this book will take you to the next level. I can promise you that. And after reading this book, you're going to have a fresh sense of hearing God's voice. So the book, Translating God, the CD set, the exclusive three CD set, everyone can hear God's voice. The prophetic made practical without losing the powerful. Sean literally teaches you how you can discern the difference between your your inner voice and God's voice and how we can hear from God and the different ways to hear from God. And also, again, a, a more prayers of impartation to be, for the prophetic to be released in you. Uh, get this material, get this in your hands for a gift of $35. Join us for our next broadcast as you yourself can learn something more. To place a credit card order for today's offer, call anytime at 1-800-447-2697. That's 1-800-447-2697. Or log on to our website at www.sidroth.org. To hear this week's interview or watch archives of our television show, It's Supernatural, visit our website at www.sidroth.org. 
That's www.sidroth.org. Discover how you can begin watching for free our 24-hour, 7-day-a-week TV network, ISN, the It's Supernatural Network. You can write me at Sid Roth, Post Office Box 39222, Charlotte, North Carolina, 28278. That's Sid Roth, Post Office Box 39222, Charlotte, North Carolina, 28278.